uh, good to see you tonight. Um, on your Bibles, uh, sorry, on your table, hopefully there's a, a, a Bible or you have one access to a Bible. And also you've got a booklet. <clears throat> it's a self-folding one today, a bit of Ikea booklet. You have to build it yourself. Uh, I'm sure you'll work out which way. If Romans 3 is at the front, you're probably uh, in the right place. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, by the way, there's some at the back there. I'm sure someone will, if you look lost, someone will come and help you out. Um, because tonight I'm going to spend most time uh, saying things that are from Romans chapter 3 I thought it would be helpful if I start by reading that it's really rich stuff it's really rich stuff um, so I remember my mum once uh, my grandma set a fruitcake uh, proper fruitcake, marzipan royal icing down for my birthday once and it was amazing, I never had fruitcake before uh, and I wanted to cut it in the big slice uh, like you do a sponge cake. Mum was like, no, 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 no. I thought my mum was being mean at this point, trying to sort of, you know, sort of hold the cake back. Uh, but she was absolutely right. It was such rich stuff, you need a small slice at a time. So I'm just going to read Romans 3 um, by sort of reading verse and sort of commenting just briefly, just helps unpack uh, what we're reading as we go through. So um, hopefully, if you're just awake for that part of the evening, the Bible reading part of it, that will do you a huge amount of good, and you'll see what we're talking about tonight. But I'll I'll uh, unpack the word justification uh, in a little bit. Romans chapter 3, uh, beginning at verse 21. Okay, Paul's saying in the midst of other, other arguments here, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. So here's something new, it's a now thing, separate from the Old Testament law, but the whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets, uh, points to it. And the new thing is the righteousness of God, which is either the righteousness of God, his righteousness, or it's from God. Verse 22, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ. So it's really clear how is this accessed. It's people trusting Jesus to be their Lord and Savior that brings this righteousness to them. And it's to all who believe. It's really important here, not restricted to certain races or genders or anything else. The only qualification is they believe in Jesus. Uh, There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Does it matter whether you're Jew or Gentile? No. Uh, All sin, all fall short. Verse 24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Um, How we justified? Well, several things there. Freely by God's grace, undeserved goodness, uh, which can be free because Jesus redeems. He pays the price. Verse 25, Uh, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So God himself deals with sin, with his own sacrificial system there, uh, through the shedding of blood or the life of his son. Why did he do this? Well, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness. It shows us the character of God. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So up to that time, as a way for people to come to God, but it wasn't specifically through Jesus. It, it, it was waiting on Jesus to come. He did demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. People now know Jesus, know this. So as to be both just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. He doesn't break holiness to make people righteous. He's completely fair in the system. It all depends on that faith in Jesus. So have that passage open in front of you. Hopefully that cracked it open just a little bit. It's rich stuff there. 
um, and you can have a look as you go through. Um, I'm just going to be serving a bit of a, a sort of tour guide. We're going to show you uh, important features as we go through. Uh, but I'm not going to refer a lot to the passage because there is so much to get through. And it's all good stuff, and I hope it does your heart uh, good today uh, to hear it. What's this going to help us with? I think hopefully tonight it's going to help you with this. It's going to help you with your confidence as a believer in the Lord Jesus. Are you confident? Are you up and down a lot? Are you confident? Are you confident deep down inside? Or do sometimes shame and guilt play a bit of a duet on your heart and your, your head? It's going to help us, I think, to be motivated and to think carefully about how we live for Jesus. Um, are you always pursuing personal holiness out of right motivation? Does self-improvement sometimes creep into the mixture? If I do this, it also help myself improve me as I live as well. Uh, is it a pure thing that you want to create the new, put on the new self, created to be like God? If those are things you struggle with at some point or other in your week or your life, then um, be reassured tonight which should be a helpful thing. Uh, we're going to think about the word justification a lot and sanctification a little bit, if that's all right. These are not just big words that end in shun, as Colin Buchanan might say. Um, but these are, these are good suitcase words in which are packed the vital truths about Jesus and about life in him. Um, and can I just say, as we're talking about these things, one of the things that will really help us is if we don't pack the right thing in the wrong suitcase. So we can pick up the right thing and put it in the wrong suitcase. So, so my wife and I later this, um, in June are going away on, uh, on trips with our respective schools to different places. And um, it'll, be, it'll be, the stuff I have to pack is good stuff, but if I, if I packed my shoes and boots in her suitcase, uh, and she opened them to find out just it was all my gear rather than hers, uh, that would be a really awkward, uncomfortable, blistery kind of week for her. If I opened my suitcase and found her you know, trousers and skirts in there rather than mine, that would be, rather than my trousers, uh, that would be really unfortunate. Okay, I couldn't walk out of the dormitory room in the morning. Um, the right things, great, the right suitcase will be really important. Uh, and similarly, uh, uh, yeah, I'll take questions, we've got time at the end, but I think I may well run out. I will stop on the half-past mark no matter what. Uh, so let's start with the word justification then. What is this word justification? Uh, it simply means that God declares us righteous. It comes from this word dekaio, which should be on the screen in a second. That's on your notes as well. And we actually get two words from this Greek root, and unfortunately in a very kind of English kind of way, we've, we put it into two different looking words, righteous uh, and the word justify or justification. Um, and so the word justification is uh, not really about being just or justice in the first instance. It's actually about being made righteous. So a better word would be righteousification. I don't know why that didn't catch on. Righteousification. Uh, that would really help us if we called it something like that. Because we'd understand then that it was from the same thing. It's about the same thing as righteous and being made righteous. So just because we're, so we're clear, when we're thinking about being righteous... We're thinking about something which is the opposite end than sin. And it's really important to get those things exactly right. So sin is rebellion against God and his ways in, in thought, in the loves of our hearts, and the actions and words of our lives. There is one level of sin. It might occur in different kind of consequences in this world, but there's one level of sin, and that is complete rebellion okay, against the God who made us. Now, if I lie and say I like your shoes versus if I murder somebody, those are two radically different consequences of sin in this life, but only one level of sin, which is an equally serious rejection and a debasing of the good, loving, fair God of the universe. And similarly, righteousness really does have one level. 
It is the righteousness of God. It's all on one level. It's not different levels of righteousness. Um, it describes God. He is righteous. If you want to see righteousness in action, you have to look at God. There's no, there's no uh, moral flaw or lack of love or unjust thought in God. Although we can apply the word to human beings, it's often a sort of a, a reflected light of God's righteousness, saying that this is sort of how you might see it in human beings, rather than saying, oh, this is it in human beings, and this is it in God. It's two different things. It's not. It's God's righteousness applied to us. And of course, uh, we shouldn't really be able to be that both at the same time, should we? If sinfulness is the opposite of righteousness, we shouldn't be able to be both at the same time. Like you can't have, you know, heat stroke and frostbite at the same time. We shouldn't be able to have them both at the same time. Um, if you would further, sort of in your head, the title, you know, for justification, justice is I've never sinned, that has a huge amount of merit. Uh, you might want to go with that rather than the more snappy right justification, up to you. Um, but have that thought somewhere in your head. I'm going to go through eight different, really, really quickly, eight different things about justification, about this great doctrine from the Bible, which um, they're all fantastic. We spent hours thinking about each one. We could sing, sing songs after each one because they all tell us something about the glory of God and how it is it comes to us. So let me start with number one. Number one, uh, justification is a legal declaration. It's a legal declaration. It's a state of being. So, for instance, if I applied for and was granted a Brazilian passport, why would I do that? I don't know. I've got an Australian passport, best in the world. Why would I do it? But just how I did that, okay? And they sent it to me, and I'd signed a thing there. That would make me a citizen of Brazil, wouldn't it? It doesn't matter if I don't know how to speak Portuguese, the right language. It doesn't matter if I've never been to uh, Brazil or don't know the local food or, or customs or football teams or anything else. I might know nothing about Brazil at all, but if I have that passport, I am now Brazilian. There's a change of status in my citizenship. I'm now Brazilian. Well, God says to people who trust his son, you are now righteous. That's justification. You now have a legal status of righteous before me. Uh, you are declared to be without sin and fit for relationship with God, a God so holy that eternity is going to ring with a song, half the lyrics of which are holy. You are now fit for relationship with him. Justification is a legal declaration. doesn't matter what I've done. doesn't matter what I'm like inside. It doesn't matter that my heart might want to run from God at times into every other substitute or pleasure uh, in the universe. If God declares me justified by faith in Jesus, then to him I have the status of being righteous. Remember, only one standard? Perfectly righteous without sin before him. What an amazing thing. Uh, but there's more. Secondly, justification is an alien righteousness. It's alien as in foreign to me. It's not mine. Um, God doesn't take my righteousness, rusty and a bit sort of, you know, wonky, and sort of spruce it up somehow. He gives me Jesus' righteousness. So as a, as a car show I love to watch on TV, uh, where they take uh, rusty old wrecks and create amazing vehicles out of them, really sort of, you know, fantastic-looking machines. Um, but they, they can't change a moped into a super truck. I just can't do it. Um, maybe you heard the expression, you can't polish a turd. You know? It's the same sort of thing. God can't polish my sin into righteousness like Jesus. He has to give me Jesus' righteousness. It's alien to me. So I'm not declared to be righteous to the best of the standard of Andy Winter. That would look pretty shabby, frankly. 
but righteous to the standard of the Son of God. One standard of righteousness. That's what God gives me, alien righteousness. I'm a wreck. I could never reach God's righteousness. But I get Jesus' righteousness. And it fits. God fits it to me. Brothers and sisters, if you believe in Jesus tonight, you are as righteous as the Lord Jesus. That's what God's given you. He gives you alien righteousness. Uh, Third thing, uh, righteousness is uh, properly earned uh, by Jesus. Um, In that reading from Romans chapter 3, the end of verse uh, 24, redemption came uh, by Jesus. He paid the price. The word is redeemed, isn't it? He paid the price, the cost, the penalty that our sins deserved. It's been bought and fully paid for by Jesus' life. We earn the penalty, he pays the price. At the start of verse 25, uh, God presents Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Uh, Jesus suffered and died for our sin on the cross. That was a a sacrifice, a particular way in which God could uh, atone, could, could expedite sin and make good what was wrong. Sin deserves a just penalty. Well, God atones for it with the life of his son. Uh, Let me just say, there's no funny business here, is there? There's no looking the other way. Justice has really uh, absolutely been done. That righteousness offered to me by God is proper righteousness, bought and paid for, even though the cost was Jesus' life. If you trust Jesus, then when God says he declares you righteous, don't argue. Don't doubt. He's done it. It's real. It's proper. It's right for you to have this righteousness. It has been earned for you. It's not nicked from the corner shop. Righteousness is properly earned by Jesus. Uh, fourth thing, uh, righteousness, uh, so justification glorifies God. And I love verse 25 and 26. I wouldn't have put them in there. I'll show you how little I know. Uh, but at the end of this explanation about, about righteousness coming to us, uh, Paul explains how um, God doing justice this way shows just how righteous and glorious he really is. So it says that uh, no sin goes unpunished when he makes a people for, for himself, whether that's before Jesus comes along, the Old Testament, we're looking at Exodus, the people of God there, or after he comes, every part of the court of heaven is completely signed off properly. There'll never be any scandal in the heavenly herald newspaper. Okay? Sin is properly paid for. So God is patient, he's forbearing, uh, in the Old Testament, and it allows people like Abraham in Genesis to have righteousness on credit. Abraham believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness, knowing that the bill would be paid at the cross. So he's patient beforehand, that shows his, his, uh, his wonderful qualities in the character of God. Uh, and, um, and then afterwards, he's fair in the way he gives it out. It shows God's, God's integrity, his truthfulness, his honesty, all these things which are just tiny aspects of the word holy. So justification itself, as God justifies people, it actually glorifies himself. It's one of the many things that means that we will praise him for eternity. God, the, the way God carries us out glorifies him. Fifthly, justification is, is free, and it's free by faith. Verse 24 of Romans, you've got that open in front of you. Um, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What a ridiculous thing. What an absolutely daft thing. In the history and scope of the universe, what a thing that sentence is. The righteousness of the 
the Son of God is free to us. How must that must stick in Satan's throat? The very righteousness of the second member of the Trinity is free to us. What a seemingly generous gift that is from God. That grace word there, of course, meaning we're given freely what we don't deserve. Uh, and I think Paddy unpacked for us really helpful this morning the, the motive of God in that. That it's purely out of the love of God that he is able to have, that he extends to his world. Again, to demonstrates how wonderful he is. And we are asked by God to receive this by trusting him, by putting our faith in him. And actually, I'd love to talk more, but it, just so we're aware, it's not a, not a transactional thing. It's not saying, oh, I trust you for this. I trust you with the keys to let my dog out of my house or water my plants. It's, it's not a kind of almost transactional. It, it is a putting of ourselves in his hands. It's giving him all the keys and saying, walk on in. The, the trust is it, it's relational. It, it's, you might say, ontological. It's become part of our being. Uh, if I trust in Jesus, I'm no longer a being, a person, who sometimes does certain things differently. I become a being in Jesus, in him. And he comes and dwells in me by his Holy Spirit. To trust God for this is an incredible thing. Justification is free, and it's by faith. Uh, number six, uh, justification is a once-for-all Declaration. We might go to various parts of the Bible for this. Uh, Romans 6, uh, verses 8 to 10 would be a great place to go. If you can flick it open if you want to. Uh, let me just read it, though. Um, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Uh, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Jesus dies once for all, for all people, all time. Can't do it again because justification lasts. It's eternal. And people have different kind of ideas about this. Churches have different ideas about this. Some, some churches might say, look, um, if, a, if some person in robes puts out bread and wine on a certain table at a certain time, that's, that's enacting Jesus' sacrifice again. No, no, no. Romans 6 says it happened once. It's done. It lasts for all time. Uh, other people might say that you have to have a, a priest say, go and do these particular words or a particular uh, penitence. No. That death is there. Justification lasts. It doesn't need a top-up in any way. It doesn't happen because of the way we feel in the middle of a certain song or, or, or part of worship. Let's go back to that hypothetical Brazilian passport example. Um, on the day you receive that passport, you are a declared citizen of the nation of Brazil. 30 years later, your citizenship has not changed. It's the same status as day one. Justification is a once-for-all action on Jesus' part as a once-for-all declaration of righteousness on God's part. So justification is a once-for-all declaration. Once happened, it can't happen again. You are who you are. And number seven, justification is a past event that guarantees a future uh, verdict. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, if you would like to look at this verse, uh, please do, or jot it down for later. It's just a great verse in itself, frankly. Um, Romans 5, verse 10. 
For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Uh, The Bible does talk about Christians having been saved, past tense. We were reconciled, having been reconciled. And also future tense tense there. So we shall be saved or we will be saved. Um, So we have been saved. The moment we're we're justified by God, we we are saved completely entirely in the economy of God there. But there is still a final judgment for the whole world, isn't there? The Bible's very clear about that. One day the fabric of the universe will be rolled up like a dirty rug and thrown away. And all things will be made new for eternity in the world and in us. And all people from all time and place will have to give account. So 1 Peter 4 verse 5 says, they'll have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. All people through all time. Well, having been justified by Jesus' death on the cross, we are guaranteed to pass through that final judgment. That's why the odd language of Romans 5 verse 10. Uh, How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? If we've been declared righteous, we are declared righteous before God. And when it comes to the time of judgment, God will declare us righteous on the last day. Not not doing something new, but, but affirming what has already been done in Christ. No additional thing needs to happen between now and then. Uh, justification is a, a past event that guarantees a, a future verdict. Right, I think that's uh, is that seven things. Amazing. Um, can you put the eighth up there for me? That's right. I didn't write down my notes. Um, those are seven things that might occur, you know, have, you have lots of questions bounce around your head. I've gone through them really, really quickly. They are great doctrines or, or aspects of this doctrine of justification, which are fantastic. I think, though, if we look at those things, there'll be two t- key questions that will pop up for us. Um, and that's said on this justification now. So I've said all these things about justification. You might go, yes, Andy, I think all these things are true. But day to day, I struggle, I think, broadly with two different things, two different categories of things. What about sin now? And what about good works? So what about sin now? And what about good works? So sin now, I might be declared righteous, but I know my heart isn't. My words aren't. My actions, even in private, are not. Is this a bit of a sham? Is this sort of covering over something? the image that's to mind for me was like, like an, an umbrella, a of the great umbrella. It was a black umbrella with a big smiley face on the top. And what a great thing to look down from building and see an umbrella like that in the rain. Is it like that? Is there a, sort of a smiley face? Everything's good towards God, but underneath that umbrella, there's all this turmoil and, uh, and things which aren't right just going on underneath, and actually it's just a bit of a pretend. Um, that's, a, that's a question about sin now. What about my sin now? And the good works question is this. It, if it's all sorted... If God declares me righteous, uh, which is a wonderful thing, that's fantastic. But should I do good works? Should I be keen to do good works? Should they count for something? In fact, isn't the New Testament full of instructions to do good? And do these things count towards heaven? Do I press on towards the goal to win win the prize? The Bible's full of language like that, isn't it? So those are your questions. Well done. You're very intelligent and observant. Uh, there's excellent questions to ask. Um, let me just try and, and, and steer us towards an answer on both of those things. Firstly, sin now um, is not a sham. 
a sin now, it's not a sham. Go one slide on, please. Um, uh, we've seen God has, in a legitimate and costly way, paid for all our sins from start to finish. Uh, there is no sin of ours that Jesus hasn't died for, even though we weren't committed at the time we became a Christian. Okay? Everything since has still been paid for by Jesus. The consequence of sin is dealt with. The effect and action of sin is still present, and it will be present until the last day. Uh, and that, that distance, that, that gap, that we can see between declared righteousness in Jesus and the daily reality of, of well, me, okay, that is good. I mean, it's not good that it exists, but it's good that we feel that gap. If you're conscious of the difference between the declared righteousness of Jesus Christ and your daily life, great. We are meant to see that. The Holy Spirit's meant to convict us of sin, of the difference between us and that righteousness given to us. Um, that gap will only be closed in eternity. There's nothing in this world that can close that gap for you. It will only be closed in eternity. It requires a transformation of you from head to toe and me uh, and the entire universe alongside that. So it's not going to happen anytime soon. But there'll come a day when at last our insides will match the legal declaration we have of righteous. And that will be a great day. So I know 1 Corinthians 13 is popular to read at weddings. Everyone goes with the last verse. I love the second to last verse. For now we see only as a reflection in a mirror. Or a bad Zoom call, we might say, after COVID. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. There's a fullness that will happen last day, which will be incredibly satisfying and such a relief. If you are feeling the gap, and if you're tired in the struggle, let me say, first of all, well done, because you struggle. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin. Let it drive you to honest prayer. Let it drive you to, for the, to longing for the reality of the fullness of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus to be revealed. And we rejoice, even in our sadness today, that uh, Tim Keller and Tony Samuels longed for that and now have it. And let that motivate us. I mean... <laughs> tasting the goodness of God in giving us Jesus' righteousness as we see that clearly in his word. May that, want to, that motivate us to throw off sin. You know, how these two things are so opposed, how being given the righteousness of Jesus, what, what place has sin in my life? It should make me want to throw it out. There's no more place in the life of a Christian than pig poo in an operating theater. It's out of place, isn't it? It should motivate us to get rid of sin. We should feel the difference in this life. Let it turn you to Jesus and longing for his righteousness, for more of the righteousness that we've tasted and we've seen that the Lord is good in this way. And for some, uh, this also might compound the problem of the, uh, the second thing, though, good works, you know, growing in Christ-likeness. Uh, if I'm going to be fully righteous one day, then why would I bother now? Why run the race? Why press on towards the goal? Why put off the old and put on the new? Uh, all those instructions about uh, living differently. Uh, isn't that earning righteousness? Well, I want to say this. Uh, God has made you new in Christ. You're a new creation. You are a righteous person in the universe. So, so live like it. 
If a prisoner was pardoned from their sentence, but stayed in their jail cell day after day, only going out when the prison went out, coming back in when they came back in, you'd say they haven't really received their pardon. Because if they had, they would understand there's a different life to live, and they would want to live it. Uh, I had a change of, of state um, when I passed my PGCE. I was declared a teacher by the UK government. Uh, pretty shabby teacher at the time, actually. But uh, since then, I've spent many years growing in my understanding and practice of what that status means. Hopefully, I've become better at it. But I do it because I was made a teacher. I was declared a teacher. It wasn't like before that I sat at home, you know, marking blank pieces of paper and explaining trigonometry to the cat, all right? Sitting there, desperately hoping if I tried hard enough to do that, I'd somehow become a teacher. It's ridiculous. Uh, and it would be equally wrong if once I was declared a teacher, I sat in the classroom and read a newspaper. That is not who I was declared to be. I now need to act like a teacher because I've been declared a different status. Well, God has made us a new creation in Christ. And he did it when he gave us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So, so live like it. Understand there should be a desire to close that gap. We should press on towards the goal. What a great goal it is. Why? Because we know the one who set us on the race. Uh, Romans 3 uh, has made it very clear that we access righteousness by faith alone. Uh, but that faith that saves is never uh, alone. Uh, Ephesians 2, one of the, one of the I think, strongest, dec clearest declarations of the gospel in, in the New Testament, was well, one I love anyhow. Um, I can't read it, and you can't possibly read it and think that you, you somehow earn righteousness. It's just so clear. Uh, full of faith by grace. Uh, let me just read a couple of verses. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works that no one can boast. Where does it mean they go to? For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The righteous life he's called us to is full of good things to walk with him in. We're saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. I had a lecturer at Bible College, he used to constantly quote, uh, and I can't find where the quote comes from, you can tell me afterwards if you know, uh, faith comes pregnant with good works. Faith comes pregnant with good works. When we came back to the UK from Australia, uh, we, um, we were five, family of five, but we only booked four seats uh, because uh, Mary's pregnant with our, our last child. So we snuck in the country with four people, but when we arrived, there were five people present in the UK. Faith comes pregnant with good works. If we understand who Jesus is, if we're putting our trust in him, not transactional, remember, but ontological, we, we change our status of being by accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, then we immediately will, will give birth to good works. We'll want to do good things. And when we don't, we recognize this work of sin in us. And that will be sorted one day. Let me just circle back, <clears throat> finally, to, the, to the, um, the problem I mentioned at the start. Very, very briefly, like 30 seconds, sorry, I'm short change tonight, on sanctification. Oh, there you go, amazing. Uh, sanctification, it's the process by which our being is transformed by God. That's sanctification. The process by which our being is transformed by God. And you see there, the root word is the same as the word holy. It's, it's ironically the same problem as the word righteous. It would have better been written holification. I should be in charge of marketing, shouldn't I? Uh, holification, what a great word, trips off the tongue. The process by which our being, our being is transformed by God to be like him. And we talk about more about sanctification later in the course. But let me just say, uh, one slide on please. There you go, both side by side. Um, I think there's a problem when we confuse justification and sanctification. They're two 
different but great doctrines. And as human beings, I think it's quite, quite natural. Justification, that legal declaration of a change of state. Sanctification, the process by which God, by his spirit, brings me more and more like Jesus. Don't put the wrong ideas or the right ideas in the wrong suitcase. If you put the process of change into the justification suitcase, you get, oh, I've got to change me so that God can declare me righteous. Or, or slip even further back to, I've got to make myself righteous somehow. And similarly, you're back to that idea of, excuse the language, polishing a turd. You just can't do it. You're trying to change and change and change. Something which is only belonging to Jesus Christ. And don't put your declaration of a change of state into the sanctification suitcase. You'll spend your life thinking you've got Jesus righteous, but you constantly break it. You spoil it. Oh, spoil it again. Because it's a process of change you're expecting, but you're centering around the righteousness God gives you, which is unbreakable because it's Jesus Christ. You'll think spiritual growth doesn't matter, maybe. Or you'll think that whatever fake righteousness you can manufacture on your own, that is what Jesus has to offer you. Well, it's not just tragic consequences there. It's actually slanderous to think about Jesus Christ that way. Uh, friends, there are many, many other things we could talk about. Um, if you're going to the other end of the building, we can perhaps talk about some of those. There, I, I've run out of time, so I need to stop. But um, I really, I'm, I'm praying that your hearts will be gladdened, okay, and relieved and, and wonderfully burdened by the right doctrines of justification and sanctification. That we will be motivated to walk away from sin, uh, to run the race, to, to put on the new self. Not for the wrong reasons, the wrong suitcase but for the right ones and all of this will glorify God rightly so it'll be that as we line up these things rightly in our, our minds and our hearts it'll be that taste of heaven as we appreciate all the glorious things God has done through Christ let me pray for us Father God, we do thank you that um, you are God and we are not. We would never have organized uh, salvation this way. We would never have thought to send our one and only son uh, to die for people who are, are disinterested, uh, who hate you. Uh, Father, we, we thank you as we unpack your word. We see treasure after treasure of your goodness and holiness and righteousness. And we do thank you tonight, particularly for those things we inadequately and inadequately sum up with the word justification. Uh, but we thank you that it reflects these great things about the Lord Jesus and about you. We ask, Father, you would help us to keep these things clear in our minds and clear in our hearts too, that they will be shaped by your word, that when we are confused, uh, upset, wondering exactly what you're doing, what's going on, we ask, Father, we would draw alongside each other uh, with truths from your word to show that your plan is perfect that your work to rescue us is good, that we are indeed declared righteous, and we thank you for that tonight. And we ask, Father, we would uh, press on towards that goal, that we would cross the finish line, whatever day that might be, with great joy in our hearts, that we are receiving the very goal of our faith. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.